The following sermon is from the United Church of Tishomingo. If you um, have your Bible or have access to turn, we're going to be today uh, for Father's Day. Uh, Happy Father's Day. Um, We're not doing anything special. We're going to tell you Happy Father's Day. (laughs) That's good, I hope. Um, But I am going to preach a sermon on this issue because... On Mother's Day, I promised the mothers that I would get on the fathers when it was their turn. And so, not going to get on you, but I am going to speak today um, on this issue because, in my humble opinion, one of the greatest lacks that we have in our country today and one of the greatest needs that we have is for men, and especially fathers, to be fulfilling the role that God gave them to fulfill and in the way that they were supposed to fulfill it. Um, You know, this world, we were talking in Sunday school, this world does not accept the things of God anymore very much. It's contrary to them. But that doesn't make the ways of God and the words of God any less important and any less true and any less necessary. And so we are going to talk about today, I just, the title of my sermon is the responsibility of the fathers. That's what we're going to do. And even if your children are grown, um, it doesn't matter. You never stop being a father, no matter how old they get. That's always true. And uh, you also have some younger men around you that will be around you that you can mentor and teach how to be fathers and show how to be fathers and those kind of things. And so I've got three things, three, three passages of Scripture. And we're going to talk about the responsibility of a father uh, in this society and in this world. And we're going to be in these three scriptures in this order. We're going to be in Ephesians 5, verse 25 is where we'll start. Then Ephesians 6, so you'll just have to turn the page, 1 through 4. And then Proverbs 22. That'll be our three passages of scripture. And I'm just going to read these verses and I'm going to teach as we go and hopefully do a good job, but share with you some things that we absolutely as a world need to understand if we ever hope to maybe start turning things around to where they need to be. Because as everybody knows, you know, last week I talked about the issue that we have, uh, you know, what we call the race issue, and the problem is, is more of the heart. But there are many issues in this country, and one of the reasons that we got where we are is because of men abandoning their responsibility to lead as God called you to lead, called us to lead. So, Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 25. For those of you that have ever heard me do a wedding, which is most of you, this is one of the main passages of my wedding uh, message. And you're going to look at this, and it doesn't say anything about fathers, and it doesn't say anything about children (laughs) at all. It's about marriage. And so, as I read this, I want you to keep this question in mind. Why, why did I pick this verse, and why is it first, uh, if we're talking about the responsibility of a father? So let's read Ephesians 5, 25 and, and following, 25 through 30. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. 
So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, because he who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Uh, for this reason, man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. Why did I pick that verse first as the responsibility for a father? And the answer is this. The very first responsibility of a father is to treat his wife correctly. That's the number one responsibility of a father. The greatest thing that you will ever do for your children is show them how a man ought to treat a woman. That's the greatest thing that you have, that you can do. You know, how a husband treats his wife will affect how his sons treat their wives. It will also affect how the daughters will accept what they allow in their life when they get married, when they grow up. Young girls will usually marry somebody like their father. Not always. I know that's just a, you know, I know that's a generality. But what young ladies will accept a lot of times is determined by what went on in the home. And peace in marriage is the greatest thing that you can do for a child and for, and for your home. Because the best thing a father can do for his children is love his wife. So let's go down through and look at a couple things that are mentioned about how a husband is supposed to love his wife. Verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We live in a society now where kind of the general rule that young men do is, to be honest with you, young men have the habit of asking young women to give themselves up for them. In all bluntness, that's the society that we live in. But what Scripture teaches is that a man is supposed to give up himself. He's supposed to deny himself. He's supposed to treat his wife like Jesus Christ did us. And Jesus Christ denied the flesh and sinful desires so that He could save us. And that's what young men are supposed to be doing. And that's what fathers are supposed to be teaching those young men. Is your job is not to ask a woman to give herself up. Your job is to protect a woman's virtue. Your job is to guard a woman. Your guard is to keep her from others that would do harm to her. Because that's what you're supposed to do to your own wife. And that's what you should teach your daughters. And so, for a husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church means that he denies himself to build her up to make her everything that she could be. Now, yes, I know the other part talks about women respecting her, but I did that already. So we talked about that, so the women know their part. So now, men, we're talking to you today. Your job is to give yourself up to make your wife all that she can be. And as a young man sees that, he learns that the practice that it's not okay to ask a young woman to give herself up for him. Because that's not what he's supposed to do. I, I, would, I could beleaguer this, but I'm not going to keep you all day. But I would just say that one of the greatest issues that we have in this world today is young men no longer know that they are supposed to be protectors and providers and not asking young girls, but they're supposed to be protecting and providing. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Two things there. Number one, that word sanctify means to set apart for good works. Fathers, husbands, your job is to make it where your wife can be used by God for good works because she's not worried about all this stuff that you're doing to her or all this stuff that's happening in your family. But your wife has a walk besides raising the children in Christ just like you do. 
She has a ministry also that, that God will call her to and use her to do. And you need to not hinder her in that ministry. And where it says there, the washing of the water with the Word, what that's talking about is, husbands and fathers, your job is to be presenting the Word of God in your family, reading the Bible together, sharing that, teaching that. And you know, I've said this before, a lot of husbands, a lot of fathers, they're afraid to do stuff like that. Well, man, I just don't understand it or I don't know what it says that good or this, that. Listen to me. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to share the Word with your family. If you don't do anything, but just open up the Bible and read some verses. If that's all you're comfortable with. The Bible says in Isaiah, God says, My Word will not come back to me void, but it will accomplish what I have ordained it to accomplish. And if a godly father and a loving father will sit down with his family and read the Bible, and even like I said, if you're not comfortable commenting, you just read it, let the Word do the work, let the Word penetrate their heart and their mind, that will affect your children and bless your children and help your children to grow in the Lord. And so your job, fathers, is to wash your family with the Word of God. Because I promise you, they're getting a lot of dirt on them. I promise you, they're getting a lot of junk on them. In this world, you need to be washing them off. And just like we wash them off in the bathtub when they're little, we need to wash them off with the Word of God as they are out in the world being just covered by this junk. Verse 27, So that He might present to Himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. Husbands, it's your job if you want your wife to be a certain way. You know, I always tell the women, you know, you can't fix your husband. Well, husbands, you can't make your women be a certain way. You submit to them. You love them. You deny yourself for them. You treat them like Christ treated the church, and they will grow up in the beauty of Christ like that. And if they grow up in the beauty of Christ, they can't help but be the woman that they're supposed to be. And so when you treat them like Christ, you get Christ-likeness back. And that's what we need to remember. Verse 28, So husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. You know, the Scripture says that once we get married, we become one. And what a lot of men don't realize is the damage they do to their wife, they're doing to themselves too. And they don't even see it. And I know a lot of women have become scarred because of the way a man has treated them. Well, here's what happens to the men, and nobody talks about this a lot. You've become scarred too. And that that becomes your habit. That becomes your personality. That becomes your character. That becomes who you are. And pretty soon you treat every woman that way, not just your wife. I know a lot of, women, I know a lot of men who don't, have, don't know how to treat any woman, not just their wife, but they don't know how to treat anybody because they have scarred themselves like that, and that's why one of the things that a husband, a father ought to be doing is reading his Bible on a daily basis to see, am I treating my wife like the Scripture says I need to treat my wife? Am I being the husband that I'm supposed to be? Because I promise you, if you're not the husband you're supposed to be, you won't be the father you're supposed to be. Because that comes first. And then verse 29, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it, just like Christ does the church. Husbands, it's not just providing food. I know that's one of our jobs. We're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to have jobs, provide for our family, but that's not what he's talking about there. He's talking about the nourishment of the spirit. What do you do to nourish your wife's spirit? What do you do to encourage her, to bless her, to make her happy, to make her smile? Husbands, do you have a goal each day? 
the older I get, the more important I realize this is. Do you have a goal each day to make your wife smile? To make her laugh? To make her have a good day? Is that your goal? Are you thinking about that? You should be doing that. That's one of the things that a man should do. Let me ask you this. Do you ask Jesus to bless you every day? Do you ask Jesus to walk with you? Do you ask Jesus to provide? Do you... That's what Jesus does to us. That's what a man's supposed to be doing to his wife. Do you have a goal to put a smile on her face every day? Because if you do, there's probably going to be less griping and complaining and arguing and doing all that stuff from criticizing or cutting down or doing the things that, that some men are wont to do sometimes. Do you nourish her and do you cherish her as Christ loves the church? So, that's my first point is this. If you don't love your wife like Christ loved the church, you will not be the father that you're supposed to be. And you can't do these other things. Did you know, in, I think it's 1 Peter 3, 7, you can look it up, but it's in one of the Peters somewhere. It says, husbands, if you don't treat your wife correctly, God doesn't hear your prayers. It says that. It says your prayers are hindered if you don't treat your wife correctly. And everything else you do is going to be hindered also. So step number one for Father's Day is this. Fathers, love your wives as Christ loved the church or you cannot be the father that you're supposed to be. Now, verse number two. Uh, wait just a second. Let me make sure I didn't leave anything out. Uh, no, I did leave something out, okay? Um, one of the problems that we have, and I'm going to say it, I'm going to go back, so please allow me to go back. One of the problems that we have is, is our society has accepted a lie. And it's growing. And I'm going to be way... People, even people who see this on YouTube or whatever, you know, they'll, they'll say something about this, but I don't really care. I'm not very politically correct, as you guys know. But the lie that we've accepted in society is that it's all about the kids. It's not all about the kids. It is not all about the kids. You are looking at the result right now in society, of a generation of children who are, were raised thinking, it's all about me. And that's one of the issues that we have. That's why you see what we see. It's because they have no clue about self-sacrifice and self-discipline and responsibility to others. They don't have you know, all that good normal stuff that a lot of you learned growing up because it's been all about them. And we've been all over backwards to do everything for them. Well, everybody knows it's all about the children. Education. Boy, if you say that in education, you get kicked out of the building. Even education is not all about the children. It's supposed to be about raising citizens who know they have a responsibility to other people other than themselves. I wonder if JFK could preach or could speak now and say, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I wonder how that would be accepted now in the society that we live in. Because we are raising a bunch of children to ask, what all can your country do for you? What all can your teachers do for you? What all can society do for you? What all can everybody do for you? It's not about the kids. Mom and dad, the sooner you let them know it's not all about them, the better off your kids will be. And they need to know that mom and dad's marriage and relationship comes first above everything. And then their um, way that they look at the world and see the world and their attitude will be much better if they understand mom and dad's relationship and love is the way that it's supposed to be. And so it's not all about the kids. It's about the kids realizing it's not all about them, but it's about raising up good citizens to realize they have a responsibility to take care of others. Now, 
Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Point two. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, I'm going to talk about the fathers in just a second, but I want to hit those three verses really quick. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. We're living in a society where this can cause a lot of problems, and I'll tell you what the problem is right here. Watch this carefully. Honor your father and mother doesn't mean you have to do everything your father and mother say if your father and mother are living ungodly, sinful, unchristian lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can honor you don't you can honor them by not fighting with them, not cursing them, not hating them, not being rude to them, you know, respect them. You you still can honor them, but it doesn't mean that you have to agree with them, that everything they say is right, or that you have to say, Oh yeah, that it that doesn't mean that you can't have a discussion or a debate. Now if the debates turn to screaming and shouting and throwing stuff, then quit having them. And, you know, just, I mean, all you're doing is you're, you're degrading the issue. But honoring your father and mother does not mean you have to believe everything they believe and do everything they do. And you don't have to let them run you ragged. Some people's mother or father runs them ragged. You know, that doesn't mean that you're not honoring them. You take care of them. You respect them. Okay? Y'all, am I making a... Am I getting the point across right there? But you don't have to do everything they say. You be as peaceable and as respectful and as nice to them as you can. Okay? You just don't treat them rude. All right, but now, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Okay, listen to me very carefully. Discipline and instruction. Discipline, fathers, is your responsibility, but mothers... It's not only His responsibility. You have to be joining with Him in agreement or what you get is children will divide the parents and they will do. They'll play you against each other if you hadn't figured that out already. But also, if you're not careful, the father can become the bad guy if he's the only one doing the discipline and the children look at him with fear, you know, and like he's the only one, all that kind of stuff. And if you're the mother that says, just wait till your father gets home, stop. Don't do that. That's not the way that we should be raising our children to think about their fathers, okay? So, remember that it's the father's overall job, but the mother and the father should be in agreement. Mom and dad, if you're going to, and especially like there's a lot of, you know, divorce in this world today, and I'm not saying anything about that, but as far as it is possible, if you are like a blended family or you have joint custody with somebody or something like that, try to be in harmony with your with your parent, with each other. Try to show love and respect for each other. It's the best thing that you can do for your kids. And I'm going to tell you, I've had high school kids, I mean, that tell me all the time how much they just appreciate the fact that their parents got along and weren't rude to each other and treated each other, you know, nice and with respect, even though they were divorced. Y'all understand that? So make sure that, make sure that you let that be a part of, of what you're doing. Okay? Now, don't provoke. Watch this. Discipline and instruction. Guys, the greatest thing I can tell you, dads, is this. Don't be too busy to discipline your kids. And here's what I mean. Don't wait till 15 things happen and build up and then try to do it all at once. When a child is going through something, they need to be disciplined each issue at a time. 
in a timely manner. Does that understand? Do y'all understand that? And sometimes it's just with words. That's enough. And sometimes it's with deeds. But you need to be involved in your children's life enough that you know when does it just need words and when does it need something stronger. And please learn not to make everything life and death. Because if everything's life and death, you end up dead a lot. And if everything turns into a fight, you never get anything accomplished because the kids go, oh, that's, they just yell all the time. They just yell at me all the time anyway. Y'all understand what I'm saying? If that's what you do. But at the same time, if you're too lax and you just let them go, you are going to raise little hellions. And they are going to suffer. And you can't do that. So, you need to do it. Watch this. You need to discipline every time something happens. You need to discipline to the level necessary. And you need to make sure that you don't try to do it all at once. But at the same time, while you do this, part of discipline is praise them when they do good. Don't forget to put the good in there. And say, I appreciate that you did this. And thank you for doing this. And I'm proud of you for doing this. You need to learn to do that. Make sure that you add the good in along with the bad. Okay? But you must address it in a timely manner. And you can't make up for everything at once. But I'll also tell you this. You're never too late to start. It's never too late to start. If you're not doing it, get in the habit of doing it. Okay, now, my dad taught me this about teaching kids in school. Let me teach you something. You might write these three things down. Dads, let me give you the best three things you can remember about discipline your kids. Repetition, consistency, calm. Repetition, consistency, calm. I'm speaking from experience. I wasn't the calm dad when I was younger. I'm not going to lie. That was one of my issues that I had, that I've had to work through and overcome. And that will cause you a lot of problems, dads, if you don't stay calm. That's that'll cause more problems than anything. Look, guys, kids learn by repetition. They needed to be consistent. Man, if you scream and holler at them one time for something, and you beat them another time and you need to let it go another time, they don't know what to do. Kids need to be treated the same in each type of situation. They need repetition, they need consistency, and they need calm. If you'll write that down and remember that, I promise you that will help you a whole lot, dads, to not provoke your children to anger. Because if you're consistent, they know, look here, watch me. If you're consistent, they know what's coming for certain things, right? They don't have to guess. If it's repetitious, they finally learn it. And if you're calm, they'll take it. Are y'all listening? Repetition, consistency, calm. You got to build habits. You got to stay consistent. But if you're not calm, they'll rebel. So be careful. All right, last point, and we're going to get out of here. Ephesians 22:6. Excuse me, Proverbs 22:6. The, the the one everybody knows. Raise a child up in the way that he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. This is the promise, watch this, that God makes, but this promise cannot be fulfilled if you haven't laid the first two foundations. If you're not loving your wife, if you're not consistently loving and disciplining your children, Proverbs 22.6 will not happen. It's a promise based on a premise, a foundation. Now watch this very carefully, guys, okay? One of the mistakes I made as a father, don't make this, 
It says, raise a child up in the way he should go. I'm just, I wasn't a football dad, but you can't make him play football if that's not him. Do y'all understand me? You can't make him play golf, basketball, baseball. You can't make him a hunter or a fisherman if that's not them. I mean, please hear me. God puts in each child an innate desire of who they're supposed to be. Look at your children. Watch your children. Observe your children. See what God's doing and grow what He's put in them. Don't try to make them be in your image. Does that make sense? It's one of the greatest mistakes I made. I, I didn't try to live my life through my son. I mean, I had a good career. I mean, I didn't need that. But I did think that he should do this and he should do that and all these kind of things. And there were some things I missed that God was doing that I thought, oh, that's, you know, not what you do. But God has put in your child something that he wants them to be. Raise them up in the way they... Now, I'm not saying away from God. Well, you understand. I mean, we're all talking to God. But what job they have, you know, what they participate in and what their hobbies are and that kind of stuff, don't try to, don't try to live that for them. Find out what they're good at, and I wish I'd have been better at that. I just wish I would have been better at seeing what my son was good at instead of trying to tell him what he ought to be good at, if that makes any sense. You know, and so when you do that, when it says raise a child in a, up in a way that he should go, see what God's doing in their life. Look, don't be overbearing. Don't be overdoing. Let them figure it out. You know what I'm saying? My dad was, I'll tell you, my dad was way better than me. Here's what my dad would do. Sometimes if I didn't ask for advice and I really needed it bad, he'd say this. He'd say, John, here's how I see the issue. And he would tell me what he thought, and he would never say another word. He was really good at saying it one time and letting it sink in. Because guys, listen, if you try to force something into somebody, they're going to rebel against that. They're going to build a wall up. But if you'll just say it and let them think about it and not act like they're too dumb, look, look at me really quick, fathers. Sometimes your kids, especially your sons, think you think they're too dumb to get it if you keep telling them over and over and over again. They heard you. Now, I know you've got to adjust to the situation, but give the words time to sink in. Give them times to have their desired effect because sometimes people think that you don't think they're smart enough to get it if you keep trying to shove it down their throat. So, raise a child up in a way that he should go let God show you what that is He's doing with your son. And then join God or your daughter. Join God in what He's doing. Don't try to do it yourself. It works much better that way. Listen to me. I'm going to close with this. It's a tough world right now. Barry Williams gave me the stat. Last year in America, advertising agents just towards children spent $18 billion. $18 billion to try to influence your children to buy their products, wear their clothes, have their lifestyle. $18 billion. If you don't watch over your kids and get your kids, I promise you this world will. Somebody's trying to get them. Listen to me. It's your job to shield them and protect them, but at the same time, teach them why. Look, you don't have to let them do what everybody else does. That's okay, Mom and Dad. At the funeral last week for the young boy, I taught those kids and those parents real love. Young people, listen to me. Real love sometimes says no. Real love says no. One of the greatest forms of love, the Bible says, is parental discipline. That's one of the greatest forms there is. 
Do you know that Proverbs says that the father who doesn't discipline his son hates him? It says that the father who does not discipline his son hates him and wishes to see his destruction. So, you've got to find that balance. You've got to find that love. You've got to find that consistency. But you've got to do it. You don't have to let them do what everybody else is doing. You don't have to let them have their way. And you don't have to be their friend. That comes later. You'll be much better friends later if you're a good parent now. Trust me, it works that way, okay? So be the parent, do your job, do your discipline. Dads, don't you dare throw that off on mom and make her do all that stuff because you don't want to mess with it. That's your job, and that's my job. So make sure that you're consistent in the way you love your wife and the way you discipline your children. But if you'll try it like I showed you, love your wife, don't provoke your children anger, but discipline them. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do it like the Bible says. God says, here's the promise that I make you. Even when they're old, they'll not depart from it. That'll be a part of their life. So, God's Word is true. We can take it for what He says. And I want you to listen to me, guys. We're not back yet in full swing, but I'm going to ask you to think of this. When we get back in full swing and we got all the kids coming on Wednesday night and things are going on, some of you guys especially, and a lot of you do, keep in mind the thought about just being here and hanging out so that these kids in this world that are so messed up can see a normal man doing normal man things like a man's supposed to do. Because it's kind of important. So I'm just going to ask you all to kind of keep that in mind as that comes back into place because these kids need to see that. They need to see some normal man stuff. I mean, I know they need to see normal women too. But it seems like we usually, usually have enough women. Uh, sometimes the men, it's a little short on that end. So just kind of asking you all to consider that as we do that because we need to step up and take that leadership. If you would, let's bow and let's close a prayer. Father God, I thank you that you are patient with us. Um, man, I look at the life of Jesus and there were times when he got upset uh, and it was necessary but if you look at the mark of his life, Father, remind us that he was calm and he was gentle. The Bible said he was meek and he was mild. That doesn't mean weak. That doesn't mean afraid. It just means he knew that he didn't have to yell and holler. But if he would just stay calm, stay consistent, and stay faithful, people would listen. And as we look at the life of Jesus, more people listen to him than have ever listened to anybody else. We may not have all this world listening, but maybe it's because we're not acting like Him. So Father, teach us to act like Christ in being calm, in being gentle, in being consistent, in showing love, in doing the things that You taught us to do. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.